In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the and welcome to another edition of Goose Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own band, Helsinki. And with me all the way across the pond is Mr. Parasites himself, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. How are you? Good, 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 good. Yeah, so you, you really don't know who we're having on the show, so I figure we'll let you use your mental abilities and be able to connect with me and be able to. So I will give you a little hint, and you just tell me who it is, because I, I know you can do this. Okay. She, so it's a female, is the author of the book Medium Rare, and a member of the NEGP, and her first name begins with L, and her last name begins with M, and it might be Leslie, and it could be Martin. So who do you think it is? Uh, I'm getting uh, I'm getting a, a female. I'm beginning yeah, that's it. with M or L, L, L. 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 Les, Leslie? Um, Leslie. No, not the, not the historian from Most Haunted, no. Uh, no, he's a scientist now. Oh, is he? Yep. He's now, uh, he's now teamed up with Derek Okora and, uh, for the Psychic and Science Ghost Fest. And, uh, no, no, that's Richard. That's Richard. <laughs> well, as, as, as uh, Derek is the obvious psychic, then Richard must be a scientist. Oh, okay. I can see that. So, anyways. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> First of all, I, wa- I really want to congratulate uh, you and your countrymen for the great job you guys did at the Olympics. Uh, it went off without a hitch. Fantastic job. And, you know, you guys raked in the medals as well for a little tiny country. You did freaking awesome. So uh, hats off to you guys. Well, um, I, um, I, I can take no part in the glory, uh, apart from watching it on television, but it was a... Uh... Uh, as people know, I'm no sportsman. I'm not even a great sports fan, but boy, it was a great two weeks, and it did it did restore some of our dented national pride, but uh, only temporarily because the government hit us with a rail rail fare increase today and the strikes, and we're back to normal. Oh, there you go, there you go, there you go. You know, sun sun never sets in the British Empire. That's what I always say. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, well, it's the British Commonwealth now. We don't have an empire any longer. Um, it's called the Commonwealth, and uh, we're very pleased to have it. There you go. 
So anyway, Steve, and uh, I, I do want to bring on my guest. Uh, she is a member of the New England Ghost Project, and she is the author of the book Medium Rhea. And b- believe it or not, she's a medium. Can you believe right, that? I, I, I sort of guessed that. Uh, it might, yeah. might have been. Although, you know, medium rare. There's a few I'd like to see done that way. <laughs> anyway, she is Leslie Martin. Leslie, you here? I am. Hi. Good evening. Good afternoon, sorry. No, it's it's evening. We're we're UK based, so uh, you know it's evening all over the world. There's a song in there somewhere. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Steve, you you were a little skeptical of mediums, I believe, right? Um, no, not really. I I always come across as, as you know, I always come across as a bit of a spoil sport. Um, but I I regularly really, I never them. noticed that. Um, I do regularly work alongside mediums and I don't dismiss what they say um, out of hand. All I, all I do say is that, um, that the information that's provided by the medium really um, isn't any, you know, shouldn't be treated any differently than the information provided by any other witness. Um, you know, they're a great tool to help in investigations, um, but they are just people, and we need to treat them accordingly. I, I, I don't know whether the same situation applies over there, but over here we do tend to, I don't know, give them a bit of a superstar status. Groups have resident mediums, mm-hmm. and investigations tend to follow the medium around and hang on their every word. Um, and I think that's I, I think that's disingenuous to the rest of the investigation team. Interesting. So, Leslie, let me ask you that: you, you are a medium. You are over here. Is that true? Are you a superstar? Heck, no. <laughs> no. In fact, I'm just an ordinary, everyday person who just happens to have some ability. And um, I don't feel that within the New England Ghost Project that uh, the mediums are held up as superstars. We are just part of the team, and um, the information that we bring forth um, just helps. It, it's it's taken as as any other piece of evidence that would be brought to the table, but then you can look into what we bring forth and see, you know, what validity there is to it. So, right, I think there's that's only one superstar in the New England Ghost Project, of course, that's me. So that's you, Ron. You are the superstar. You are the big draw. Right. You are the big Kahuna. <laughs> Leslie made some perfectly valid points until the last part when she. Uh, <laughs> but but what she was saying about about the use of mediums, I I, I fully fully. Uh, agree with, and it's 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 good to hear that over there the New England group is is using mediums in a you know in a, a sensible way because we do over here we do treat the mediums with you know kid gloves we we hang on their every word all too often um, and we don't really give it the critical thought that it often deserves. Leslie, I mean, I mean, you you kind of have to agree with that, though, in a way, because you know that we, when we do public events, it, it seems like the mediums do get all the attention. Don't you agree? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, it depends on the situation. Um, if you're in a place where you're not getting in, anything like on your meters or, or it seems to be boring, anything that you do say, the people, yeah. they're looking for something, they're grasping for something. But the way it works with me is I'm not going to, you know, make up stuff because nothing's happening. So 
you know, you're not going to get anything fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it comes down to the medium making stuff up, Leslie. I think it's just more a case of people... There, there are people who go on ghost investigations who uh, have already pre-decided beliefs. And, mm-hmm. and what they really want, I mean, you know, what they're, uh, what's always full to capacity is when the medium does some form of audience or, or presentation of their abilities... Um, because people really are waiting for a message from the loved ones or waiting for that sort of sign from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why mediums are given, you know, sort of this additional layer of, of attention. Um, in terms of an investigation, um, you know, I, I work with mediums and, you know, they, they, they can be a tool and an asset. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do recognise that in terms of a public investigation, the, the medium will always be the most popular. I mean, ghost hunters are, generally speaking, quite boring, and what we do is quite dull. We can offer, you know, a box with a flashing light on it. Uh, mm-hmm. The medium might be able to offer them a message from the other side, from a loved one. On public investigations that we've done with the New England Ghost Project, Ron would be um, in another part of the building, and I would be with his son. And what I do as a medium is I give... Um, the audience members tools and have them listen to their own intuition and i stand back and let them do the work and then confer with them so that's how i work um i don't know what happens over there when you do uh, investigations it well, sounds more like a showmanship thing where um like on most haunted when derek okora would be speaking because that's all i have for a frame of reference is um everyone would be okay derek what do you've got now what are you what are you sensing blah, blah, blah. And he'd talk to sam and whatever and and so it was like the I whole investigation was, was keyed on him it hinged on what he had to say but um the way i have worked in investigations on public investigations i try not to do that Derek, the, Derek has provided a role model for many uh, investigations, particularly the public ones. And, uh, I miss Derek. He is a very nice <laughs> Yeah. I just ran out of ammunition. I didn't miss him. Um, but, no, Leslie makes a valid point. Uh, over here, we do, we do tend to, in terms of a public investigation at least, uh, still follow the method that most people learned from the television series, and that's that, you know, the, the medium will... will get something through or take a pic- tell people to take a picture. They'll communicate with, with the spirit. And people do tend to sort of migrate to that type of investigation. And I'm guessing because it does produce um, for the public results. You know, the, the medium will always come up with something, whereas the flashing box on the table might just resolutely refuse to flash. Um, Say you need so. It's happened on more than one occasion with. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? I th- do you think, Stephen? I, I just dawned on me now. Do you, do you think the the other end, the people who are not mediums, come up with all these gadgets to uh, fill fill themselves for their their mediumistic inaccurate inadequ- 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 innovative and inventive lot. I mean, we've had some great gadgets. Uh, the Ovilus, the iOvilus, the iPhone apps, uh, the countless other... I mean, if, if you, you have a look at this, there's a new one that's come out over here. Uh, I haven't even seen it yet. I can't find any information because 
Um, I've only seen it advertised on uh, an event uh, starring Richard and Derek where they're using a stone tape projector uh, in order to... Oh, I know quite a bit about that, Steve, actually. Oh, well, enlighten me, please. Yeah, it's... What is, it's a... what is this stone tape projector? Well, you un- you understand that, that Richard Felix is is a huge fan of the stone tape theory, Correct. Correct. Okay, so it, it, it's really funny because uh, inadvertently, I think I actually contributed to this. Uh, on many of our shows, we had discussions, but anyways, uh, basically, it's a. Uh, uh, I believe they put it in a coffin. I could be wrong on this, but I, I believe that the the device itself comes in in a coffin, and what they do is a set of plasma lights and. Um, they also produce uh, a uh, smoke, and what they do is they have the audience all take a picture at the same time, and hopefully they capture images from this uh, stone tape projector, which was able to draw the energy out of the building. That sounds fantastic. Thank- yeah, yeah, thank you for the... Um explanation um <laughs> uh, yeah i bet you it's great for an audience i bet you they love it um uh i not as good as the dead chamber but no one's ever seen that that's that's been held on the no, i thought you were supposed to be bringing that out at our at spirit quest i didn't see that uh, it is not because it's still i'm not happy with it oh it's, hasn't been perfected yet not ready it, for public viewing well it's perfected but it's not where i want it to be the perfectionist that I am. But moving right along. You still there, Steve? Did I, I am still here. Okay. No, I was I, I was just pondering today. I've been pondering over um, some Facebook posts. There was an interesting question that appeared on Facebook earlier today, and it, I'd be interested to hear both yours and Leslie's take on it. And really, it, yeah, because I'm it, it's. It, it, the que- the question is: Is there any value in conducting vigils? Um, and you know, why are we turning the lights off? What you know, is should ghost investigation or ghost hunting? Uh, should it try and look at the methods it's using and come up with possibly better techniques rather than just going somewhere for forty five minutes, sitting in the dark, and then going have a tea break, uh, and then back in for another session? Uh, is that is that a good method? I'll let Leslie start one that one, then I, I want to talk about it. Well, the whole idea of turning off the lights is so that your other senses become more acute. Um, because if you turn, if you close your eyes, I, when I'm on the phone, I close my eyes so I can hear better. Um, same thing in the dark. If you are turning off one of your senses, then your other senses seem to be heightened. So I understand uh, the whole theory about turning off the lights. Although the same right. thing I mean, is that. That's why you make love in the dark, right? Okay. (laughs) Maybe it's because I'm shy, but that's okay. Um, That's about me. Um, But um, there are always ways to improve and room for improvement on on, um, investigations. I I think that um, if something's working for you, then sure, keep doing it. But always add something new because you never know what you might stumble upon. 
Well, first, when he, he said that question, I went, ooh, 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 and that reminds me that uh, Horshack died today. So from, uh, welcome, welcome back, Carter. He was only 60-something. Yeah, so uh, we uh, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Horshack. Anyways, um, it's a good question, and, and it's a fair question. And you really have to look at it uh, two ways. First of all, are we talking about a true paranormal researcher or investigator? Are we just talking a public event? And a public event, you certainly want the lights out because the whole uh, purpose of it is to heighten whatever that you're going to do. And it's much more scary in the dark. We all know that. So that's if it, that's one separate thing. So, I mean, I, mean, there's, I don't think there's any uh, really debate over that. Um, wouldn't you agree, uh, Steve? I, I I think um, you make a very valid distinction between the the uh, the public events and a real investigation. You should. I I don't. I wouldn't even call a public event an investigation because you can't. To be honest, you can't really investigate a location with thirty or forty people crashing around. Uh, what you can do on a public event, though is uh, you can certainly show people the techniques and the methods that are used uh, by investigators. And, of course, you are in, uh, hopefully, a haunted location. Um, but, yeah, you, you absolutely, you know, not turning the lights off on a public event is a big faux pas uh, because people have paid money and the majority of them have paid money to be entertained. They've watched shows like Ghost Hunters. They've watched Most Haunted. They, they have expectations. Um, and, it, you know, it, it would be like going to a soccer match and giving them an American football uh, to play with, people, yeah. it wouldn't match expectations, and people would be disappointed. So, yeah, public, turn the lights off, scare the bejesus okay. out of them, because that's what they've paid the money, and that's what they want. Okay, and I'm still going to address the second half of this, but uh, still back on that same half is that you said it's not an investigation, but it is a an investigation in the way that we are investigating the reaction of various people to do various stimuli, and so there is some benefit out of it, uh, at least on a psychological level, if not on a scientific level, um, of that particular event that you are doing. Uh, so... I think there is some merit to it, let's put it that way. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And certainly in a lot of the public investigations, we've been able to piggyback psychological or psychophysical experiments off, off, off of the uh, public event. But, you know, the point I was making is that uh, to actually call it a ghost hunt or a ghost investigation mm -hmm. in terms of investigating the ghosts or the spirits that, you know, uh, may reside within uh, the location um, is is actually, I think, a little misleading because you can't actually do it um, with forty or fifty people, you know, right. crashing around the building. But what you can certainly do is you can use it uh, in order to both entertain and educate um, uh, those there because there you go. They have the they have the sort of pre decided. Uh, methods that they've learned from television but you can actually say well that's what they do on tv this is what we do in the real world go try the difference see you know see how it works out and you can you can buy a process you know you, you can use educate um, entertainment as education but what i would i don't ever call a public event a ghost investigation 
Um, but it's more of a, a ghost investigation simulator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing, too, is, is, is it really a ghost investigation, or are we just investigating certain phenomena? Uh, I, I mean, you can call it a ghost hunt, you can call it a ghost investigation, but when you go, if you are doing, well, I, there we go again. I mean, we really have to look at the parameters. Is this something that we are doing some type of research on, or are we going because somebody said, okay, I think my house is haunted, can you you know, check it out for me. So, I mean, there's, there's two different parameters there. If you're, you're doing kind of research on ghosts in general or ghosts in a particular location or versus, like, you're being called in to investigate a place. I mean, and, and I think, Leslie, it's for you, too, is the same, right? I mean, you, you look at it differently, or, or don't you? Um, what am I looking at differently? What do you mean? Versus being called in, like, for a client versus just doing research. I mean, do you do just research? In other words, uh, go to a location to see if you can pick up and what you can pick up and therefore do research uh, to either verify it or uh, whatever, just to acknowledge it. Um, Versus well, I'm being, looking at it at a different way because no matter where I go, that's what I'm doing. I'm going there to to feel the energy and to interpret and to um, and to convey what I am getting. So whether I'm on a public investigation or if I'm on a private investigation, I'm going to try to do the same thing. I'm going to bring forth what I feel is the truth, and um, so it really isn't any different for me as a medium. Um, as a scientific investigator, that would be a totally different kettle of fish if you were um, entertaining the public or if you were um, going into someone's house or into a haunted location and trying to pick up um, any information that you can. But in my case, I'm trying to pick up any information that I can, period. So, so, so Steve, when you do this, I mean, do you do, you do it separately? I mean, uh, do you do an investigation just for the sake of investigating versus, like, being called in by a client or, or someone who believes it's haunted? I mean, is there a separation between the two? Uh, not for me, no, because um, I don't just go to locations because, it, you know, it looks like a nice building or it's an old building or... Um, mm -hmm. Or, or even because it has a reputation for being haunted. So um, if I were to select a location for an investigation rather than being called in, I look at what's been reported, how long has it been reported for, is there enough um, of, a, of a case to actually warrant uh, an investigation? And, and if we do um, investigate, what, you know, what are the questions that we seek to answer? Um, to confirm the haunting is probably not enough because I don't think you'll ever actually answer that question. But can we look at, you know, um, other explanations? Is, is there an environmental aspect to it? Is there some other uh, form of explanation that we can deal with? Now, when, it, when you get called into somebody's uh, place of work or home, uh, what you're really doing is seeking to provide uh, support and assistance for them in answering the questions that they pose. And they might, it, they might range from something weird's happening, I want to understand it, uh, to, you know, can you, can you uh, please assure me that I'm not mad, to can you stop it? Um, and you tailor that investigation to the needs of the client. Um, so... 
for me, uh, very much, there is a difference in that I will only investigate a location um, where there is sufficient contemporary and historical information to support uh, a haunting and also that there is some benefit to the process of investigation, that we can perhaps learn something or understand something better or, or you know, move on our knowledge base. I mean, uh, Leslie knows that when when uh, yeah, I first started the Ghost Project, I really didn't believe in mediums at all. I thought they were charlatans, and yet uh, they've become an important part of the New England Ghost Project for the information that they gather. I, I, I look at them as another tool in my toolbox, and uh, we've used various mediums, and, and I think that uh, people who have worked with us have developed mediumistic abilities along the way as well. So I, I think they're an important part, and I think that goes back to uh, what we were originally talking about. And uh, uh, I, I believe that uh, mediums are an important part, but, but not all of the investigation. It's still the other stuff that matters as well. What, what other things can we rule out, or what other things can we include in the investigation as well? Yeah, um, you know the the medium is one of the team or part of the team on that night, and the the opinions, the impressions, the thoughts, the f- uh, all of the things that that others within the team um, pick up, we also document um, and give equal weight to. Uh, we don't give any additional weight to the fact that the person is getting is, is getting their their impressions or thoughts or feelings uh, psychically. I think that everybody on the team who is receiving any sort of information, it should be documented. And no weight should be, you know, no more weight should be put on the medium as the the one who's holding the video camera. Mm. Everyone should have the same say. So let me me ask you this, Steve, and this kind of goes back to it. If you were to write a results of an investigation for, say somebody called you and they, they asked you to investigate a place, would you include the information that the medium gave you, uh, number one, if you could verify it, number two, if you could not verify it? Um, it's a longer answer than I think we've got before the ad break, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it, would, it would depend on the relevancy of the information and the relevancy to the investigation. Uh, and, yes, we have in the past included information from mediums where it's been um, relevant to you know, the case and, and to the, the purposes of the investigation. And at other times, most of the time, we document the information and we record the information as we do with every team member. Um, and we don't report automatically the, the experiences of every team member. I would like to bring up that um, some things that you might find not pertinent at the time may be very pertinent in the yeah. future. So how do you know what to, what to, you just document it, but how do you know what not to tell the client and what to tell the client? Well, in actual fact, the process of our investigations are so, are so, can often be so long-winded, but we, because we do carefully document stuff, um, and the case that where we did use the information from the medium in the report, the information had been carefully documented, but it wasn't until six months later 
that the relevancy of that information that being uh, said we actually have to take a break right now so i can hear the tunes in the background you are listening to ghost chronicles international right here on TojiNet pararex ghost channel and beyond uh today we've had the amazing uh, leslie modden uh, author of the book medium rare and the fantastic stephen parsons or parascience and we'll be right back after the following messages welcome to TojiNet. Radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Miller X family. Four hundred twenty-seven. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except- so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the quite reverend Mr. Stephen Parsons and the amazing Leslie Martin and, of course, New England's humble Van Helsink, Ron Tolick. Right here on Tojanet, Ghost Channel, Perex, and beyond. Wow. So I, I know that Leslie has to go, and we actually have another call we have to take, too. But uh, before we get back to your wrap-up, well, why don't you wrap up what you were saying, uh, Stephen? No, I was agreeing totally with what Leslie was saying there about um, documenting the the thing. But then I was answering the points you made about uh, relevancy, um, and it's because of the documentation uh, and the fact that you know we do carefully document all of the impressions and experiences of all of the team. Um, that in what in one particular instance, the the information provided by the medium um, was found to be relevant six months afterwards. Um, and we were able to make the connection between the two, uh, between the information um, that they were providing. So would you go back to the client and let them know? Or... Oh, I mean, yeah, yes, because um, we, uh, in, in, in the, you know, uh, we do have an ongoing relationship with the clients and we do tend to investigate long term. Um, you know, investigations of two or three years are not unknown for our group. Um, and wow, you know, we, we maintain a connection with the client. That's amazing. Two or three years is, is I mean, that's 
really unheard of here in the United States. Uh, so, anyways, Leslie, anything you want to wrap up before we? I have to let you go. No, um, I just want to thank you for having me on, and Steve, it was lovely to meet you. Likewise, a pleasure. And, yeah. uh, Enjoy the rest Steve. of the show. I have to run. I have to go and uh, pick up my nieces from Massachusetts, so I'm a busy lady, so I have to go. <laughs> so uh, one thing I do want to say is, is Leslie was a little bit nervous uh, coming on the show with you, Steve, because you, you have somewhat of a reputation. I don't know what it is, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I have no idea. I think I, I, <laughs> well, I, I'm just looking, through, looking through the you. chat room and everybody saying, good job, Leslie, great show, Leslie. And lots of recommendations. I don't see any for the great show, well. Van Helsing, a great show, uh, uh, Stephen. I, I just I, see it all goes back to the medium again. Yeah, uh, well, right. you, yeah. Know. you were right. <laughs> all right, Leslie, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. And now, of course, was Leslie Martin, a uh, member of the NEGP and also author of the book Medium Rare, which is kind of a cool book. It, it goes into how she, I mean, it's like an audio biography. It, it goes into how she has developed the skills over the years. And, uh, uh, of course, I'm in the book, so, I mean, you know, how can you go wrong? So pick it up everywhere. Leslie Martin, it's got a picture of a teddy bear next to a gravestone. So there you go. Anyways. Um, joining us now is, we were talking a little bit about, you said you investigated places, you know, for two, three years at times, uh, Stephen. And um, let's, I mean, the, the next person who we're having on is, is Brian uh, Gray from the uh, Collinwood Mansion in Oneida, New York. And he actually owns a haunted location. So basically, he has an ongoing laboratory. So, so Brian, welcome, welcome on board. Thank you. How are you today, Mr. Kolick, Mr. Parsons? Well, very well, thank you. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good gracious. It's this time zone thing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's sometimes somewhere. Anyways, uh, so Stephen, I mean, uh, Brian owns the Farnsworth House, which is is now a uh, Dark Shadows uh, theme B and B, and it is a haunted location. So he lives in a laboratory. I mean, uh, what what do you see the ups and downs of, of this? Um, I don't see any downside to it at all. It's my ambition um, to, to be in such a location because I, when we do these long-term investigations and when we do, uh, well, even the shorter-term ones, it, it is important that, that the uh, owner or the people that work in, in, in a place are part of that investigation team because the investigator, you know, even on a two-, three-year investigation, we can only be there for, for slices in time. You know, we're taking cross-sectional views, hopefully, you know, uh, at the right times, in the right locations. Um, but the person, the people who work there or live there, or, or they're there 24-7, and they, they form a key part of the investigation. I mean, how did you get involved with the Farnsworth Health League, now the Collinwood Inn? And, I mean, is it an ongoing investigation for you? Um, just one little thing. It's the Farnum Mansion. Whatever. <laughs> Farnsworth House is actually from Gettysburg. I do remember that now. But, I mean, you're right. It is the Farnum Mansion. Mansion. Yeah, the you. Collinwood Inn. That's it. There you go. Now I forgot the question you asked. I mean, <laughs> is it, has it been an ongoing investigation for you? It, 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 what what type of things 
makes you believe that this place is haunted? And, and do you document it, I guess, would be the three key questions to this. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's been actually a joy. I'm living the paranormal investigator's dream. Uh, I have all these strange things going on around us uh, on a fairly regular basis. One thing i got to let you know, Ron, remember how you stayed in the Angelique room? That I do know. Okay, I went into that room on Thursday. We haven't, last this past Thursday, we haven't had a guest here for on oh, a couple of weeks because of the heat, and we shut right. down because we don't have air conditioning. I walk in the room, and I found the bathroom lights on. Really? Yeah. Ron, the door was me. open, and the lights were on, and nobody had Ron, been in the room. You owe him a huge amount for the electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with you know, the way it, they, it, the way they like to play with lights around here, it, yeah. it, it just adds to the electric bill. <laughs> it's interesting that because I actually had the pleasure of staying there for two days, uh, and my co-host from Ghost Chronicles, Next Generation, The Blonde, Bombshell, and Leslie, and uh, Karen, and myself, uh, we went up there, and uh, Ann and I stayed for two days, and Leslie and Karen won. And the interesting thing is, while I was there, the door to the bathroom and the jacuzzi would, would be open and the lights would be on every so often. Uh, and this constantly happened while I was there. So, I mean, your lights, you could say, okay, well, maybe there's a, a, a malfunction, although I couldn't find it. I certainly played around with it and tried to. Oh, I shouldn't say that to him. But uh, anyways, uh, I couldn't find any malfunction. And the door being open, there was no problem with the latches or anything else. And so I, I found that rather amusing, I guess. I think. Um, I think I can kind of relate to this thing about lights. I remember one one uh, one time at the location where the shipyard. We've been there for three years. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> yeah, not without a break in between. But um, we we did encounter a very similar phenomena. Um, where um, it's 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 on the website, but essentially the the large office room that we were in had individual lighting panels in the ceiling. Uh, that were each individually controlled by a pull cord switch. There was no master switch that mm -hmm. controlled them all. Um, and one time we were there, um, the lights, the light panels were actually uh, turning themselves on and off. Uh, and you could actually hear the click of the pull switch. Um, now, we were in a very fortunate position in that we knew we had the electrical plans for the building. We had the equipment to monitor the electrical supply to the building. But importantly for us is we also had on hand the, the person who designed the electrics for that particular building. And we were oh able God. to ascertain absolutely that the, the only way to turn those light switches on and off or the light panels on and off was to physically pull the cord switches. There was no... Uh, master controllers, there was no means of remotely doing it. Um, and clearly, there's no explanation that we can provide, uh, no normal explanation that we can provide as to what took place, but, but it absolutely did happen. Hmm. And, and that does happen at the Collingwood Inn a lot, doesn't it, Brian? Uh, yes, it does. And another example is, I had some people here, they were buying tickets for uh, one of our public investigations, 
And uh, they were asking about some of the paranormal stuff that happens in the house because one of them was a little nervous and afraid that something evil was going to happen to them. And I brought up one of the doctor's names. And then suddenly the light on the wall turns on. And it stayed on for about, uh, about a minute, and then it turns off again. And then I started telling them more things about what went on, and I brought this doctor's name up again, and the light came back on again. No, well, that's interesting. <laughs> if I come over there next year, I want to go to the Collingwood Inn. There you go. There you go. I'm sure uh, Brian would welcome us there. Oh, we would welcome you with open arms. There you go. I look forward to it. That sounds like... I, I'm not going to dismiss these electrical phenomena. I know that, in, you know, often, and I do find often that there is a, you know, a, a mundane, a normal cause as a malfunction somewhere right. or, there's, or there's some, you know, misoperation of the equipment, but there are cases. Um, I can only speak for the one that I investigated firsthand where there was no explanation. Uh, I haven't had the, the good fortune to visit the Collingwood. And, of course, I, you know, there are possibilities that may be normal. And uh, I don't know whether they've ever been examined or, or looked at. So it wouldn't be fair on me to, to offer uh, alternative uh, perspectives. I'll leave that to investigators who've been there. Um, but there are interesting tricks we can do with electricity as well. I mean, it, it, it's... Um, there's a great one that's, that's doing the rounds of ghost hunts and TV shows uh, with the Maglite torch, where you can pretty okay. well get it to flash on and off to, to order. Um, and, you know, electrical items do malfunction. You know, if it's got a battery in it or if it's got a plug on it, you can bet at some point it will do something wacky. Uh, perhaps one of the most amusing uh, I was called to was... Um, a cash machine that, when unplugged from the wall and left, would turn itself back on, all of the lights on the front of it would come back on, a uh, cash register, and the drawer would open. Um, and that was put forward as you know, activity of, of, of the, the, the resident spirit, um, and it turned out to be a faulty capacitor uh, discharging inside the actual till or the cash register, um, and causing all of the, you know, like an electrical surge from the capacitor to shoot through it, putting all the lights on, activating the sounds, and popping the drawer open. Um, and it was pretty spectacular to see, but uh, it, it was, you know, mundane, although, you know, a little bit freaky. The interesting thing, and I do want to comment, I mean, you evidently have uh, witnessed uh, lights, as you mentioned in the ship ride, that have no logical explanation why they do what they do. But we can't say that that's the spirits turning them on and off, can we? I didn't. <laughs> no, um, no, I, I know that, but we, we can't no, I, jump I don't to that assumption. I mean, it is a possibility. It is we a possibility. It is a possibility, but we can't say definitely that it is the spirits doing it. No, and I also uh, have to say that it's also definitely um, wrong to exclude spirits. Um, you know, it's, it's very often the case that, that the, perhaps the more sceptical um, community will automatically dismiss, you know, the paranormal. They will never even consider it as a possibility. Right. And I think if you're truly open-minded, once you have eliminated all of the obvious possible explanations and perhaps dug a little deeper, um, as we did with the wiring diagrams and 
you reach a point where you simply throw up your hands and say, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. Um, and I think that's probably the closest we're going to get to the paranormal currently. So when, what Brian was just saying, I mean, do you think it's more valid that when, when he mentions, for instance, a name, a particular name, that the light goes on or the light goes off? I mean, do you think that's more valid as spiritual than non-spiritual? What would be even more valid would be um, if that had been repeated perhaps at a, sec- a different time uh, um, or had been, you know, tested for repeatability. Um, well, let's ask you know, Brian that. Has, has that been repeated many times or, or other times, Brian? Uh, not that particular light. Um, another time when I had... Um, some people here for a tour, they were actually the kids of one of the previous owners whose own kids wanted to see the house their parents grew up in. I was talking to to them in the hallway, and we were just on, just on the outside of the main parlor, and the chandelier in the hallway suddenly turns off. Now, the only other switch for that for that chandelier is upstairs on the second floor. And I know for a fact that there was nobody on the second floor. And within 30 seconds, the, one of the lamps in the, um, in the main parlor turns on after the chandelier goes off. Okay. Now, I have a feeling, this, my feeling is that since these kids and their grandkids that were here, both of their parents died in the house. My feeling is that their their parents and their and the grandparents were letting the kids and the grandkids know that they were there at the time, turning one light off to get their attention and then turning the other one on to get their attention. Oh, the old sign thing. Yeah. Mm. There is. I mean, I've got to strike a note of caution, and I I I really hope Brian doesn't mind that there is a possibility as well that. Um, you know, reading too much into something, it may just be um, a a normal, if if you know, somewhat unusual or rare malfunction. Um, but then you do have this this problem, this this desire within all of us to impose meaning or structure, with, you know, on what we're seeing. So, you know, you see it a lot on investigations where something will happen, an object will fall over be, uh, or something will, will, will make a sound. And people, you know, they make the link. It's the person that makes the link. Uh, oh, that must be Uncle Fred communicating. Um, when, in, you know, it, so you've got, you've got that human element which does, you know, uh, bring in an additional layer of confusion. I can understand that point, yeah, but also it just, it's only happened the one time when, mm. the, when the kids and the grandkids were there. When there's been other yeah. people here, that certain thing has never happened. Yeah, as I say, I'm I'm not dismissing it. I'm just adding a, yeah. a, a note of caution that you know there have been cases where you know we've been investigating uh, an event. Um, and it doesn't happen again, or it, it may not happen for weeks or months. But but that's only because it has you know you're dealing with a very intermittent fault or a very intermittent occurrence. Um, you know, a bit like my computer, sometimes it works fine for months, and then you know one day it just refuses to switch itself on. Now, 
I don't give that any paranormal, you know, it's not because, you know, Uncle Fred's trying to communicate with me. It's just yeah. a random malfunction that takes place occasionally. But within us all, you know, we, we, we have this desire to, to uh, impose some sort of meaning on, on everyday things. Um, and it does happen in cases where, you know, a, a light bulb blows and, oh, that'll be Uncle Fred. Um, but that's not to take anything away from, from, from the location uh, or from what took place, because I haven't been there and I haven't had the privilege of investigating it. Um, and I would prefer to leave it to those that, that have been there to make comments. We actually have a question from the ghost girl in the Tojinet chat room. She says, do you feel that relatives can affect spirit activity? So um, because these were relatives of the the parents that used to live there, uh, do you think that could have an effect on spirit activity? Is that for me or Brian? Either or. Well, I, I personally, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. That was, um, you see, that's more for spiritualism. I, I, I'm a, a psychic researcher. I'm a scientist. I, mm-hmm. I tend to concentrate on the physical, the environment, um, the psychology. Um, I'm just not qualified to answer that question. Brian, you want to take a wrap at that? Uh, I, I feel that it, it does affect the activity because we have been in contact with um, the great-great-grandson of the original owner of this house. And when we have been talking about him and asking the spirits in this house, the, the three uh, from, the, from the Farnham family anyways, if they would like him to come and, you know, give us some kind of sign, do something, you know, I mean, when I asked for some kind of sign, I mean, that one time, it, it, the whole power in the house went out. It was only our house. All the rest of the houses in this neighborhood were still lit up. Our, our power went out, and then within a couple seconds, it came back on. Hmm. So, yeah, you can read whatever you want into that. Um, we, there's been other things that um, when his name was brought up, yeah, and ask if they would like him to come, then suddenly, you know, you're hearing tapping sounds being made from the upstairs when there's nobody upstairs or footsteps coming down the stairs like somebody's coming to give you an answer. So I think that uh, a relative can't, the relatives can affect the spirit activity in the house because especially when they hadn't been here for a long period of time. You know, it's an interesting question, and I understand where people want it to work. Uh, the question is, I mean, we, we used to do this show, uh, we did this show on signs, which means that when someone passes, uh, a lot of times we are getting messages from beyond in one form or another that we don't recognize. And once we recognize them, uh, they become prevalent. Uh, it, it, so it's an interesting theory that, uh, you know, maybe the other side is giving us messages, uh, and, and th- these relatives showing up there, uh, maybe these were messages for them or signs for them. Uh, it, it's, it's really interesting, but uh, can we really prove it? I don't really, not sure on that, I would think. Um, if we look at if we if we move slightly away from the relative thing, I think there is actually uh, there are some interesting cases where information um, has been veridical in that it, it, it 
it's been demonstrated that it would be uh, virtually impossible to have come from uh, telepathy from the sitters or from a living brain. Um, and the, the best explanation is that it's come from a deceased person from from a discarnate uh, spirit, um, and there are there are you know some pretty well documented, albeit rare account, uh, accounts of of just those sorts of communications where um, survival of death and the messages that are coming from the other side purportedly are actually the best fit explanation for uh, what's taking place. So it. You know, I wouldn't like to dismiss the possibility. And, you know, if we look at spiritualism and if we look at the messages that's, or the, the information that spiritualists do give us, you know, they, they would certainly probably agree that uh, relatives will affect the spirit activity. And certainly on investigations that I've, I've attended, um, it's often been the case that, that the attendees have been given personal messages by the medium uh, from from their relatives who aren't connected to the building in any way, shape or form, but are drawn to the medium in order to communicate with the relatives. Um, but I only, again, I only have the medium's uh, word that, that, you know, that these messages and the assurance of the person receiving the message that it was accurate. Um, so, you know, I'm not in a position to, to, to be a judge, but there are, you know, in, in the case... Uh, you know, in the case files, there are documented accounts where uh, veridical information does seem to have come from from the other side. Yeah, and and that's the whole thing is we we really don't know. I mean, we wa- we certainly would love to believe it, right? I mean, I think we all would love to believe that we can contact our loved ones from the other side. I mean, so. It, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. But anyways, we've actually run out of time, so before we, we get into that, i I, I got to say goodbye to Brian. But Brian, you have some events coming up you would like to uh, tell us about? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, we do here. Um, on this coming Saturday, we have uh, psychic readings with um, medium Bobby DeLucia. And then uh, in September... Is Bobby a girl or a boy, just for the hell of it? It's a, it's a lady. Okay, the young you. lady. And then in September on the 29th, we have a book signing uh, with um, Philip Creighton uh, for the book Nightfall. And uh, then just after that, right after the book signing, will be our second annual Night of Shadows paranormal investigation with the New York Shadow Chasers. So. Oh, cool. And, and we got to... We want to thank you uh, so much for contributing. Uh, you gave away uh, a couple things that uh, spur a question. Uh, we do appreciate that, and I know that the young lady who had won those is going to go to that, so she's she's kind of excited about that as well. So once again, um, you are at the Collinwood Inn. If anybody wants to reach you there, how can they do that? Well, they can go to our website at um, collinwoodinn.webs. Dot com, or they could give us a call at uh, area code 315-280-0574. All right, thank or you, Or they can find us on Facebook. Okay. That's the pizza bell, so we got to wrap it up. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much. It was thank nice you, to Brian. with you. Bye. Bye. 
So uh, that was Brian from the Collinwood. Uh, I want to thank uh, him and uh, the Collinwood Inn in Northern New York. And we also want to thank Leslie Martin for stopping in and, and talking a little bit about what she does. And I do want to mention a couple things that I have coming up. So that's uh, we have a haunted cruise this Saturday out of Rye, and it's a three-hour tour, and we know how the last three-hour tour ended up, so uh, that could be interesting. Uh, Did it involve the Coast Guard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can uh, get this at, at uh, you can get tickets and information from our website, which is neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Um, I also have my new new uh, paranormal CSI class at Northern Essex Community College coming up in September. You can go to this site to register for that as well. So, Steve, anything you got coming up? Uh, no, just preparing for the Society for Psychical Research conference that's in about three weeks' time, so I've got PowerPoint stuff to do and papers to write and all of that to worry about. All that draft so, stuff, and, huh? and 60 mile an hour winds for the next two days. Yay for the summer. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, deadly serious. Go sitting up to 70 miles an hour tomorrow, uh, all day Thursday and into Friday. Really? No, that's are, are you, absolutely are, really. Are you near the coast or anything? Uh, I'm a quarter of a mile from the coast. Um, right on the west-facing peninsula, so we get the Atlantic lows full in oh, the okay. face. All right, that makes, that makes definitely sense then. All right, so I, I hope that you can, uh, you know, survive that. And, uh, well, easy peasy. You'll be back we, no, time. we're used to it. I think, uh, yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, quiet week, batting down the hatches. There you go. But, anyways, uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us again. And uh, one of these times, we'll get Cal back again. <laughs> I think we've got to also thank all of the people in the chat room for the uh, for their support tonight because they've actually said that to you and me that we've done a good job too. Ah, uh, they lie a lot. Nah. <laughs> so, anyways, Steve, thank you very much, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, there's a rumor that I might be heading over there next year, so you better uh, watch out. You'll be given the warmest of Welsh welcomes. Oh, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> it's very good. Okay. So anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Stephen Parsons and Ron Kowick. Good night. God bless everyone. From ghoulies to ghosties. 